The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I mean, there is FCC scrutiny of ownership of news organizations. When it comes to social media and a company like TikTok, it's owned by a Chinese firm, an increasing number of Americans are relying on it for actual news, not just tweeting about themselves, but actual news. Is this a risk? As more people use these platforms, as they get more information, as they're shifting away from traditional media that we're all used to, the intelligence services of our adversary are seeing the shift as well. And so it's not necessarily specifically about TikTok, it's all platforms and it's all avenues, That's on Face the Nation, Margaret Brennan uh, talking to Chris Krebs, who's the former director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Uh, First of all, Margaret, you don't tweet a TikTok. (laughs) That's like posting a Facebook tweet. Which is kind of interesting because I don't know how old she is. She looks like she's 40 to me. Um, So even like a 40-year-old is not hip to what the younger crowd is doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for getting their news. So here you got the 40-year-old host of Face the Nation who's out of touch with where, where most people are getting their news from TikTok. Right. And then this guy's explaining how it's our, our enemies who realize these idiots are getting their news from TikTok. Well, let's try to influence that. Sure, yeah. Uh, he gets uh, more specific about the TikTok risk. But TikTok uh, represents uh, a specific risk, and and a a colleague of mine wrote a paper, Dakota Carey wrote a paper for CyberScoop, talking about how it's not necessarily the data security challenges, it's that the Chinese Communist Party may have the ability through the parent company of TikTok to actually shape narratives, suppress, lift, shape what we see on a daily basis. And it doesn't have to be everything you see all the time. Mm 
it can just be enough. Yeah. It can just be enough, a little bit. I guarantee you that's happening with Xi Jinping becoming the king of China, essentially, this past weekend. And the whole of society uh, effort at war. Don't trust China! I don't, sir. You know, I sometimes wonder if... I don't I, I don't think the authoritarian, authoritarian systems are better in any way. But they might be right that we are just decadent. That your democracies are decadent. Because just a bunch of idiots stumbling around... Taking drugs, gambling, getting our getting entertainment wherever we can get it. Screeching at each other, our supposed democratic politics is screeching at each other like you know two warring tribes, not making any sense. Closing our schools just because the orange guy said they ought to be open. Just idiotic politics. More interested in sports or Kardashians than we are in what's actually going on. So easily manipulated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, it's not a vote in favor. No. uh, Anyway, uh, oh, that's, you know, this is kind of, I'm not sure if this is on the topic. It's short. Play 62, Michael. And I think about what happens if the the Chinese invade Taiwan. What happens in the run-up to the 24 election if if they're not happy with some of the more, uh, you know, the stronger stance that this administration is taking against China? There is significant amount of risk exposure we have here. uh, and I don't know if he's talking about it there, but the ability to influence younger people on TikTok about that issue, sure. Yeah, yeah. That is troubling. You know, and and speaking of TikTok, the Washington Post had a really interesting feature. It's kind of long. I'll hit you with some of it, but um, about TikTok stardom going viral on it intentionally. Um, not like the crazy lady climbing the wall that we featured the other day, that charming uh, young gal with the voice like a... Like a nightingale, do we have her? I'm gonna cut it down about the blood for damn place! You damn the f- son of a bitch! I'd love to hear her sing an aria <laughs> some some Saturday night. Wouldn't that be lovely? Uh, anyway, we're all whisper sweet nothings in your ear. <laughs> I love you! Ah, you didn't never heard together, man! <laughs> I'm on a roll in the hay! <laughs> I'm feeling naughty, are you? <laughs> Oh, jeez. Oh, dur. I'm afraid I can't perform. (laughs) It's hard for me to get ready when I'm terrified. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) Kiss me! Kiss me! Oh, jeez. All right. Where was I? Ah, the TikTok viral kids. Oh! Speaking of decadence in society. And poll after poll shows this. The one thing young people want more than anything else is to be famous. Mm, Which is... I had this conversation with my 10-year-old yesterday. Convinced he's going to be a YouTube star. That's what he wants to put his time into. Anyway. Well, everybody wants to be famous, and it's amazing because virtually anybody who is will tell you, you don't want to be that. Yeah, boy, there's a good point. I I didn't even bring up that angle of it. Not only the unlikelihood of it happening, if it does happen, ask Matthew Perry, ask lots of different people. Oh, yeah. Uh, even if it does happen, it's, it's not, not, not the best thing to have happen to you. Yeah, and, and while, you know, we appreciate very much folks who listen to the show, and I met dozens and dozens and dozens of people who, who are fans of the show on Friday night doing a special event. Um, If you're, like, actually famous and 
the attention of the world is upon you? I can't even imagine how awful that would be. Oh, my God. No, it it would be terrible. Just because you become a lightning rod for so much anger and craziness and sometimes affection that's out of control. Well, and, and gosh, young women, you deal with something I've never really had to deal with at all. People who aren't just fans of your work, but they want to have sex with you very much, and they're crazy. Well, then the attention people pay to your kids and everything. Well, and then, you know, not to go too far down this road, but, uh, yeah, that's a good one. But, um, and many people have fallen for this, you start to tie your self-worth to your fame. Or whether you're getting the great reviews and, and, and the adoration of the crowds and the rest of it. And when that goes away, it's you know like having your soul yanked out. So that's not healthy either. Anyway, uh, Washington Post with a really interesting piece. Sorry you went viral. TikTok's explosive stardom has created a new kind of celebrity, but nothing goes viral like rage. Mm. And they're talking about this 21-year-old anime and gaming fan in London uh, made making money on TikTok the centerpiece of her life. She devoted every night and weekend to making videos, optimized her room, and eye-catching pink, hired a management team to handle her video branding deals and bookkeeping, even though she still lived at home. Now is the 9 million follower Nintendo.girl. She is one of the app's biggest successes, and she feels like she's achieved a creative dream. But competing for attention, she said, can often feel like working a shift that never ends. And winning it can feel even worse, since her most viral videos also bring on the heaviest flood of hateful insults and sexist trolls. She has woken up in the middle of the night to check her phone, and after some videos has refused to sleep, feeling too anxious about the response. Yeah. There's this power TikTok has, she says. It's just so, so popular, and that can be a scary thing. You have to constantly be fighting against other content creators to be seen. You don't realize the impact of having so many eyes on you. Those people who've chosen not to like you, they're going to see you right there on the screen, and nothing you do is going to make a difference. You've got to learn to deal with the hate. So, it's funny, I just watched a video last night by Mr. Beast, who I've mentioned before. He's one of the biggest YouTube stars in the world. He's number five or something like that. And uh, he had a video out where he's talk- he was talking about how most people don't understand how much, how long I've been at this and how much effort I put into it. But I started when I was 12, and he said, I poured my life into this every day from age 12, 13, 14, 15, nothing, 16, 17, nothing. Wondering if I was just wasting my time and my parents were right. 18, started to catch on a little bit, exploded at 19, 20. Now he's, he's a gazillionaire. I mean, wow. And his... Every video he puts out gets 90 million views um, or something like that. I mean, there, there there are no TV shows on the air right now that can touch Mr. Beast in wow. terms of exposure. But he's a one in a gazillion. Mm-hmm. and uh, But he's the one that makes people like that woman or my son think that they can be that also. Yeah, yeah. Then they go into some detail about the bigger your video hits, the more hate and mean-spirited and rape threats and the Mm. rest that you get. Says this associate professor at the University of Colorado at Boulder. The phrase people use is getting on the wrong side of TikTok. One person told me, I wish I could just stop my videos at 30,000 views. Then they go into how cruel and the commenters can be. Um. Some have received death threats for supporting abortion, making cheesy videos, or selling expensive chocolate bars. Death threats for selling chocolate bars. 
But it's TikTok's collaborative video tools that have really made it hate comments come to life, said this 33-year-old who posts about gay issues to his 5 million followers, um, et cetera, et cetera. And then just, there's the hollowness of it to me, but I don't know. People make their own choices, but I just, this is all evolving so quickly. You I, just wonder what sort of, you know, staying power is going to have. I guarantee if this had been going on when I was 16, it'd be the only thing on my mind every single day. How do I find a niche on YouTube or TikTok or something like that? Because there's never been a, a, a gold rush like this. If you can come up with an idea, you don't need anything other than an idea and a computer and, you know, internet hookup. You can come up with the right idea. Brandon Conway, 22, was lying in bed one night this summer at his family's cattle farm outside Athens, Georgia, when he posted his first TikTok, showing him singing Michael Jackson in a karaoke bar parking lot. Within a day, the video had soared past 9 million views. He'd gained 170,000 followers, and he started dreaming of a life beyond his DJ shift at a local Italian grill. (laughs) Why dream beyond that? (laughs) You're playing music at the Olive Garden. You're already living a dream. I just want to be the next person to make it big, he said. Yeah. That's not good that we got so many young people that are thinking that way. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. Mr. Beast had a good one the other day. I think it was a $100,000 rock, paper, scissors with the rock. (laughs) Wow. And then you come up with that idea, and he gets so many views, he can pay for the idea. Right. Which is the way it works. That is funny, and I have seen some really, really funny stuff on there. (laughs) Um, we got a bunch of things on the way. The the main thing is, so, was your takeaway from the, I didn't see the thing on Face the Nation about TikTok. I was thinking about putting it on my phone because it's so influential and huge right now. Is it a bad idea to have TikTok on your phone? I think you can have it on there for a while and delete it. Although, who knows, the Chinese may have designed some sort of backdoor worm that crawls up in your phone and stays there. Don't Don't trust China! I don't want the old backdoor Chinese worm, I'll tell you that. Oh, oh, boy. That's one thing you don't want. Think you're uncomfortable now. (laughs) A lot more on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Seventy-eight percent of third through eighth grade black students are not proficient in math in Wake County. We're wasting taxpayer dollars putting money towards this diversity office that's not benefiting those who need it the most. That's a pastor addressing a school board meeting. Um, I'm. I actually don't know where he is, although Wake County, is that uh, North Carolina? or I recognize that name from living in Charlotte, I think, but I could I certainly could be wrong. But what he's saying to me is is universally true, so it doesn't really matter where he is. Uh, his name is John Amunchukwu. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, uh, your reverend ship, sir. Uh, but he had a lot more to say about what schools are teaching and what they're not teaching in the actual effects. Imagine that! Discussing policy in terms of the effects it has. 
uh, the effects of uh, the policies and the teaching going on in schools. Next clip. And as we talk about inclusion and making sure that the trans student feels comfortable and the queer student feels comfortable, what does that have to do with reading, writing, and arithmetic? As we are, in, as we, as we are teaching cultural Marxism and grooming children to be the next pervert, we are damaging our kids in this public school system, and it needs to stop. Wow, that's good stuff. Uh, you know, I've been following primarily in California, but um, the trend for conservative folks to run for school boards, and it's being portrayed consistently in the media as right uh, the uh, attempted a right wing takeover of schools. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a right wing takeover of schools to want desperately for them to teach what they're teaching like five years ago? That doesn't seem that crazy, <laughs> right? Uh, he uh, he spent a little time with Tucker Carlson on Tucker's show after that uh, video got some attention. Next clip, Michael. There's a new God in the land, and this God's name is diversity, equity, and inclusion. And this God forces you to bow to it, and if you don't support this God, they will cancel you or and label you as a homophobe, as a bigot, or evil, or even as a white supremacist. And one more. The indoctrination in the public school system must end. Wake County has gone woke. And as we approach this upcoming election, we need people in office who are not trying to groom our children, indoctrinate our children into critical race theory, intersectionality, and all of these woke ideologies. But we need to get back to reading, writing, and arithmetic. Here, here. Yeah, I was, uh reading some punditry about some of the Republican candidates out there and which ones are doing well and which ones aren't in the election. And some of uh, exceeded expectations and some of them have come up well short. But the star, according to all your people who follow this sort of thing, is your Carrie Lake out of Arizona. Mm. She is, I told you, I saw her, I think it was on Face the Nation a couple of weeks ago, and I was ready for her to be everything I'd read about her. She was really good. And one of the reasons is she has, unlike Donald Trump, if Donald Trump would listen to her, he might be president again. In fact, I think he'd have a decent shot. But she has decided this is the kind of issue that people really care about, not only the economy, but what's going on in the schools. Mm -hmm. She was given uh, several opportunities in the most recent debate to take on the whole election denial thing and just passed on it and turned it into... What's going on in our schools? Turned it on, turned it into things people are actually worried about. Yeah, interestingly, and I have this article around here somewhere. I've managed to misplace it, but I think it was in your liberal media. They said every major Senate race is now trending toward the Republicans. The movement of the polls, every single one, and I think this sort of thing is a factor. In fact, I know it is. Nobody talks about it in the mainstream media, but it is. Speaking of woke, trigger warnings on Broadway. I think you'll find this humorous. Stay tuned. Armstrong. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. 
I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. This wasn't just about the next five years. This is the long-term play by Xi Jinping. He has no intention of ever stepping down. He didn't name any sort of a successor. There's no succession plan, which has gone against uh, what has gone on in the party for about the past uh, 20 years or so. Nobody is there because of the great job that they did in a previous uh, uh, position. They're there because they're loyal to Xi. And anybody that could have challenged his, his power or thought of assuming the power five years from now has been removed from uh, power, banished from the most powerful committees. So they had their big big get-together over the weekend. Xi is now, and nobody doubted this, but he's now president for life. And the most interesting thing was, have you seen the video of when the guys came in and picked up his predecessor out of his chair and let him out of the room? And nothing's unplanned. No, they saved that till the international cameras were on. Right. They did it on camera on purpose. They had the previous president picked up out of his chair and let out, and he was clearly, like, pleading to she or something like right. yeah. what, are, what what is going on here got the bums rush old hoosian tell right i, I and, remember his reign because i made all sorts of charming abbott and costello references to his name which is who who's a communist i don't know third base <laughs> it'd be like if when they swore in trump they'd had guards come in and kind of pick obama up out of his chair and take him out <laughs> I'm in charge now. Wow. Wow. 
Well, and, and, and China watchers were struck by Xi Jinping's uh, thank you for making me king speech because, you know, he said several strong things that made it clear that, yeah, we're, we're swinging both fists in the world. And he left out a couple of themes that have, they've been hammering for years. It's part of every single speech talking about the period of important strategic opportunity implying that China faced no imminent risk of major conflict, could focus on economic growth. And for even longer, leaders have said that peace and development remain remain the themes of the era. Well, he didn't talk about peace and development at all. Just uh, threw out his chest and said, come at me. So that is a huge change in tone for the, you know, the uh, uh, ultimate speech there, the climactic speech at Fest, which I believe is what that meeting is called. And Ian Bremmer tweeted out that Xi Jinping is now the most powerful individual human on Earth. That's absolutely true, the more more that I think about it. Really? Well, the only person that could challenge that, you're going to hear from coming up next segment, Joe Biden. See how well his mind is doing. Check in on that. Came across this over the weekend in the... I don't remember if it was the Post or the Times. I think it's the Washington Post. Anyway, it's uh, an opinion piece by a New York critic about how woke Broadway is right now. Mm. And I found it pretty entertaining. It goes through how Broadway is back, and they were the last to open back up and allow people in and masking and vaccination cards and all that. Not content with their spaces being safer, theaters increasingly seem to want to be safe spaces, writes the New York critic. Take the audience advisory for the new Broadway revival of the musical 1776. I guess they thought Hamilton was so hot. Let's do something else. Highlighted in red on the production's website, it warns that the show about the political wrangling that led to the signing of the Declaration of Independence contains stylized representations of racialized violence, as well as sexually suggestive themes, occasional strong language, haze, a brief strobe effect, a non-firing replica firearm, and a gunshot sound effect. Haze. Those are the warnings. Holy crap. Do you need a warning when you go to a play? a guy carries a gun on stage? Well, I would hope so. I hope something happens. (laughs) (laughs) Do you need a warning when you go to a play that there's going to be a gunshot sound effect? Wow. Maybe some of you do. Uh, The critic goes on to write, The warning struck me as a little alarmist, especially after seeing the show. The racialized violence is a reference to the show's somewhat overheated but historically accurate depiction of the debate about slavery. The only strong language I heard was an occasional, damn it, Franklin. And the sexual material was so mildly suggestive as to barely be noticeable. As for the replica firearm, well, the country was at war. (laughs) Just how much coddling do theater goers need these days? An audience advisory for the touring production of the recent revisionist Broadway revival of Oklahoma gives a jarringly literal spin to the term trigger warning. It alerts viewers to the exact number of guns that appear on stage, 114, and and details the timing and plot circumstances of each of the four gunshots heard in the show. What? Spoiler alert! the The third shot will be heard around 18 minutes into the second set with a character surreptitiously picking up the gun, then firing it off in order to bring order to a chaotic scene on stage. Wow. What a weird way to approach life and art. No kidding. A punch will be thrown in the third act. Two minutes in. Violence warning. 
Spoilers are allowed, I guess, for what is described as Broadway's first gun-neutral production. For every gun prop that appears in this Oklahoma, I assume most of you all have seen Oklahoma. I've been in Oklahoma. Sure. But it's old-timey, western-y, right? That's that kind of guns. Sure. For every gun prop that appears in Oklahoma, the producers promise to make a minimum $100 donation toward nonprofits working to take illegal firearms out of circulation or supporting youth programs in areas with high levels of gun violence. <laughs> wow. <laughs> really? Wow. So is that some sort of weird apology for there's a fact that there's a gun in this version of Oklahoma, which of course there is, that's part of the play but well right right and uh, wow do they warn you that poor judge is judd is dead <laughs> candle lights his head or the wind comes rushing down the plane well right yeah wind well if they warned me about haze they probably <laughs> ought to warn me about wind <laughs> so wow. I, so i guess what they're implying is that we believe these guns being used in oklahoma are is what's leading to the gun violence in america so, of course, to offset that, it's like carbon default things. Carbon offsets, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's, it's that. We have put violence into the world with Oklahoma, so we need to take a little out by donating at least $100 per one. What was 114 gun references or something? It's, it's difficult to express myself without using foul language. I mean, are you blanking kidding me, you people? What is wrong with you? I know. Isn't that crazy? What an odd way to look at life. How many of their patrons want that, I wonder? It's supposed to be a drama, so something dramatic better happen. You don't have to tell me about it in advance. That's why I'm here. Yes, Michael, did you have a comment? Uh, Yeah, my wife and I went to Vegas, and uh, we saw the Beatles. Uh, There was dry ice, and it simulated smoke, and I didn't get any warning. (laughs) Oh, my God. Just letting you know. (laughs) Did it trigger you? Were you triggered? Oh, no, I'm so triggered. Remember the, the, the classic Chekhov's gun? It's Chekhov, isn't it? The, uh, the, so, yeah. the Russian playwright. And the idea is if there's a gun in the first act, it better go off in the, the third or something yeah. like that. Well, now it would be if there's a gun in the first act, I better have been warned ahead of time. <laughs> and I better know exactly how many minutes into the third act it goes off. <sighs> you know, I, I want to I bring up a, kind of a tangential topic here. That's the word... Pussy. Ooh, jeez, dang it. Hit the dump button. No, don't hit the dump button. That's my point. You've made me uncomfortable. For my entire life, that's been a reference to a little cat. And I understand the vulgar reference as well. I'm more than familiar. Um, I barely am. But... <laughs> oh, boy. And I was going to try to keep this... Academic. A pussycat. Quit being a pussycat. Is what that expression has always meant. It, as opposed to quit being a female, um, for instance. Maybe it means both. Maybe it depends on who you ask. But quit being such babies just doesn't have as much punch to it. No, it doesn't. We are a nation of babies. Quit being a freaking baby. You're not hurt by the fact that some freaking cowboy has a six gun. You're not terrified that that there's haze. 
What the hell? Well, it's a story about the Revolutionary War's got a musket or two. I'm not bothered if the sheriff of the town in Oklahoma has a six gun on his side. If I know they donated a hundred dollars to a youth program in the area, that is hilarious. So, if you know, uh, there's a play you go and many do. A couple of people fall in love, they have sex. Do you have to donate to like an STD clinic, <laughs> or where does it end? If somebody, if two people uh, yell at each other, and again, it's a drama, they'd better. Um, if two people yell at each other, you're going to donate to an anger management clinic or something like that. God, you people are so up your own heinies. Well, he, How's the view? He, we need to take a break because I want to get this Joe Biden clip on. But he actually gets to what's happening here because no, what you just said, oh, okay. you know, it doesn't make any sense. Right. The advisories go well beyond what advisories have in the past. They seem less about protecting potentially distressed theater goers than italicizing the show's revisionist, diversity-minded, politically evolved messages. That's what they're doing. Ah, tribal signaling. Exactly. Right. It's like asking people to use their pronouns, and I will not. By the way, the most startling thing about the new production of 1776 is not any sexually suggestive material, but the topsy-turvy sexual casting. All of the founding fathers are played by female, non-binary, and transgender actors. You are dry-shaven, man. This this rather blunt-force gimmick is meant, of course, to highlight the utter lack of diversity among the delegates to the Second Continental Congress, the band of white men who established the freedoms in which our nation is based. All right. Chances of me going to a Broadway show have been fairly slim quite some time. Uh, They're now zero. (laughs) Congratulations. Go to hell. Oh, my God. All right. You'll hear from Joe Biden next. Has he lost his mind? Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. 
And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Armstrong and Getty Show. To the President Biden audio clip of the day. We just saw a President Biden video clip of the day from MSNBC. It's more of a visual, and we'll put it on our website. Uh, at some point, it'll be on there, armstrongandgetty.com, where it really looks like the president, what do you think, dozed off? Lost? Yeah, he nods off. No. Or. No, you can't fall asleep in the middle of talking like that. I've never known anybody who does that. Uh, Have you? No. You? I don't think so. Although he's very old, and wake up, and he's an old eighty-year-old. Yeah, geez, we we went and watched the video. In fact, we watched it a couple of times. He's being questioned uh, on a show called The Readout, and he gets asked a question, and he just kind of closes his eyes, and then it seems like the interviewer says, "Mr. President," like got his attention. Well, goes, Mr. Mr. President, up in a weird way. Nobody says, "Mr. President, up." Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. So um, maybe uh, seek that out on our website. This is not good. No. And and this is either the president flat out lying. I think it's worse than if he was just doing the usual politician thing where he's stating a mistruth. I think he's just confused. He's he's going to explain what he's talking about. He's talking about his student loan forgiveness plan, which, as you know, is an executive order, which is the whole point of the controversy. Can a president with the stroke of a pen forgive a half a trillion dollars worth of student loans. But he talks about signing it into law and it passing with a couple of votes. Here it goes. The other piece what we're trying to do is, you're probably aware, I've just signed a law that's being challenged by my Republican colleagues, who are the same people who got PPP loans during the, for up to close, to, in some cases, up to five six $600,000. They have no problem with that. The individuals in Congress got those. But... Um, what we've provided for is if you went to school, if you qualify for a Pell Grant, you qualify for 2000 I mean, excuse me, uh, you, you qualify for $20,000 in debt forgiveness. Secondly, if you don't have one of those loans, you just get 10000 written off. It's passed. I got it passed by a vote or two, and it's in effect. And already, a total of, I think it's now, 13 million people have applied for that service. You know, Joe Biden's enough of a fabulist, as they say, a guy who just makes stuff up. It's conceivable he thought he could get away with it, like he was the top of his law class and got three degrees and all. But you might not check if somebody says, yeah, I got three degrees. You'd think, wow, I'll be damned. 
Uh, but you wouldn't check into it. But this is like front page news. So I just don't think he knows or he forgot or he's confused. I just signed in the law. The Republicans are challenging it. Got it passed. Uh, just a couple of votes. Well, that's a couple of votes of what? Not at all what happened. So, yeah, I, I think he's losing it. No, I, bad. I, I would rather he was being a dishonest politician than oh, his, yeah. than he, he doesn't. He can't keep it straight. And this would all be half as scary. If there was some sharp, capable person in the vice presidency. So I get back to my question I've asked before because I find it fascinating. When he gets done with one of those interviews where he says something that's clearly not true, does anybody say something to him? And if so, who? And how does that conversation go? I wonder if they behind the scenes they have like code for how good or bad a day he's having. I mean, did he walk off? Did he get done with that interview? He's sitting there with the, some young woman. Um, as soon as that was over, did somebody walk up and say, "Okay, we got a problem. We got to figure out how we want to handle this"? Mm-hmm. Um, because you stated that you signed it into law, and it was an executive order. And they, oh, yeah. geez, yeah, I said that. Wow, I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. Is that the way the conversation goes? Or I, I wonder if they what? wait wait till he's cogent. What do I? I said, well, I didn't say that. I mean, I smell mustard. (laughs) I just would love to know how those conversations go, or do they not talk to him at all, and they just clean it up behind the scenes? I don't know. I've got to believe they talk to him at some point. Wow. Wow. I hope I live long enough for the books that will be written about this period to to know what it was like. Oh, we may find out the day after Election Day, or the day after he served two years and a day in January. Final thoughts with A&G, yeah! Here's your host for Final Thoughts, <laughs> Joe Getty. <laughs> the brevity of that one is so... That's what makes it so great. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. There he is, back at his post, Michelangelo, our technical director. Michael, final thought. Yeah, my wife and I were walking down the Vegas Strip, and a topless woman came up to us and said, Hey, would you two like a picture with me? And I looked at my wife, I said, hey, Christmas card, and she didn't think that was funny, so uh, hopefully I'll be back in the bed tonight. <laughs> maybe, maybe she didn't understand how funny that was, Michael. Young Alex is our behind-the-scenes producer. Alex, final thought for yeah, us. I want to give a little bit of love to my wife as well. We had two big events this weekend, one being my high school reunion. Two nights in a row, dressed up to the tens. Showed her off. She's not much for social gatherings, but she played the part very well and uh, wanted to thank her and show my appreciation. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm sorry I had like 10 seconds to say hello Friday night, but uh... All right, Jack, a final thought for us. Yeah, so I had this piece on uh, what age is too old for trick-or-treating, and they quoted one mom, and I agree with this a lot. It depends on the kid. I mean, if it's just some ne'er-do-well who's trying to get free candy, obviously that's one thing. But if it's a 12-year-old or whatever age that still likes dressing up and doing the trick-or-treating thing, I, like this mom I was just reading here, am in no hurry for my kids to grow out of these things. So if yeah. you're still innocently still just enjoying it, I'm perfectly fine with it. Well, Watch me. Courteous teenagers who say hey to the neighbors and ask, ask how the kids are and the rest of it. It's visiting neighbors. That's fine. It's the surly candy grubbers that bother me. Or they're going to tip over my outhouse. Oh, uh, you know, uh, speaking of which, uh, really great neighborhood. Not far from the, the radio ranch. I was hanging out with some guys over the weekend. There's like lawless teens running around committing acts of vandalism and theft, and if you confront them, they say F you. 
Yeah. Just total lawlessness. Yep. That's the modern cultural decay that we live in. Oof. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people who think so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We'll get that video up that we just mentioned to you. You can get some A&G swag in time for Christmas. Do it. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. Armstrong and Getty. I yield the rest of my time, but... This. I'm gonna call my lawyer. Gun. I'm calling the cops. I am. You damn the son of a. I know. Why? I know. Would you listen to this radio show? Uh, it's outrageous and it's dangerous and so grotesque. I want winner. You're a loser. Ah, yeah, you never had to get it back. I'm on a roller On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.